and welcome to In Kind. I'm social scientist Julie Croner. I've spent my life interviewing thousands of people, and now I'm on a mission to scale global empathy. On In Kind, I lead guests through the letting go of something they need to release. And afterwards, I synthesize and give you tools and resources to help you start moving emotional blockages in your life. I know firsthand the power of release. Quite frankly, it's changed my life, and the hope is that it changes yours. Hey, listeners, I'm back with another Three Thoughts topic request from you. This one's about intending imperfection. A lot of guests come on InKind to release different manifestations of perfectionism. It is so common. And learning to aim for imperfection is a mantra that's changed my life. And you can use it to help you move mountains that have been stagnant for ages. This episode is focused on the tactical, getting shit done and blowing past the tendency for perfection, a daily practice in my house. Thought one, clear the conditional. How many times have you let one of these conditions stop you? I don't have enough money to do this. I don't have enough knowledge. I don't have enough time. The list goes on, but the sly truth is that if you wait until you have enough of any of those things to start what you're after, you'll be waiting forever. If you want to start a business, heal a family rift, learn to dance or paint or draw, or be more creative, be more social, quit your job, ask the person out, even if you don't think of yourself as a perfectionist, Most of us fall into the trap of waiting for what we think are optimal conditions. And I'm definitely using air quotes there. And to fuel the dysfunction fire, we also tend to blow past our achievements and immediately move the goalpost instead of celebrating or even noticing all the learnings along the way. And this is a big mistake. This makes it really hard to obtain a feeling of accomplishment We do this to ourselves, I think, because we humans aren't the best at self-congratulating. What we achieve at every point in the process of doing something is, by default, goal attainment. And we need to recognize it as such. It's great that one goal motivates the next. That's a beautiful process. But we forget the other half of the equation, the celebration. It's like we're allergic to enoughness. We make it pretty hard for ourselves, don't we? There is a chapter that I absolutely love in Marie Forleo's Everything is Figure Outable that became an instant mantra for me. It's called Start Before You're Ready. And this is the foundation of allowing yourself to take imperfect action. Are there going to be more ideal times than others in life to take action? Of course, but there is never a perfect time or a perfect anything, by the way. This is where flinging it over the fence is a fabulous method. And personally, I was very bad at this most of my life. I'm learning to change that and it feels so much better to put things out there and see what percentage of success I have, see what comes of it and to let it be an iterative process. You can change things based on what you've learned, but you can't change anything that you haven't yet tried. So you'll learn what to tweak for next time. And one thing you absolutely don't want to let yourself fall into is thinking of each iteration as wasted time. The sunk cost dilemma is so real. You know, we do a ton of research. We invest 
money, we invest time in an endeavor. Maybe you even picked up and moved to start something that feels like it's now imploding, it's not working. Please, please, please recognize that learning is a process. No one comes out of the womb knowing how to do what you're aspiring to do. That's why mastery of a skill takes the requisite 10,000 hours. But what do we do with the thousands that came before that magic number, that whole process along the way? Should we throw them out? Should we consider them months or years of time that you'll never get back? Hell no, hell no. They are what got us to the expert level. And this can be easier said than done when you're in the muck and the mire of feeling like a beginner every day for months on end, but it does pass and not a second you've spent goes unaccounted for. All of those moments are teaching you things. Sometimes it's what you don't want. Other times it's mistakes that need to be made. And much more often than we realize or take note of or celebrate, it's super high notes and you learn what you need to do more of. And I can't think of a more classic example of starting before you're ready than parenting. It is impossible for anyone to be taught all the things, how to manage emotions, not to mention at different ages of your child's life, how to model behavior, the hard physical labor, whoever talks about that part, no one. Even if you had the best role models and the books and the advice, trust me, there are countless things that happen on a daily basis that you must learn. They're just gonna come to you. Yet most of the world doesn't wait to know everything before having a child. A lot of people don't even think about it. You know, I'm sure you know people who you're like, and why is this person having a child? They haven't even thought this through. This is human nature. It's a force that doesn't allow perfectionism in the door. And we all have those friends, or maybe it was you who read every book and went to all the classes and went to the ends of the earth to prevent their baby from ever wanting for anything, for ever being stressed out, for ever, ever making a mistake, ever falling down. And we know that it'll never work because being a parent is a 50% trust agreement. We can't know. We can't know the other 50%. We go forth. We make a zillion mistakes. We hopefully learn from them. We take notes on what didn't work for next time, and we try our best to improve. And if we can do this on the regular with another human life, we can definitely do it for our other dreams and aspirations. Take a minute to think how you can reframe the right time to be right now and that it won't be perfect at the start. This is really hard. It's actually a beautiful process when you put action, any action, even the tiniest, in front of fear. Because action cures fear. It is the cure-all. And it makes you feel so spacious to take a step. It truly can feel like you have all the time in the world when your attitude is to expect imperfection. Thought two, try taking the emotion out of the situation. And I'm not talking about avoiding or stamping down emotions. Hear me out because this is a big one and it takes practice. Some situations require laser focus and you have to get out of your own way to focus. When you have to do something new or challenging, it can be extremely helpful to think of the task as a logistic one and become sort of objective about it rather than emotional and subjective about it. 
And I love using examples from my daughter because I watch her doing new things all the time as a 15-year-old. Recently, she took over a show at school called The Wednesday Weekly. It's a video production that the whole school gets every week. It's like updates on sports and arts and events and life at school. She had no idea how to do any of it when she agreed to take it on, but she was interested. She had been interested for years in it. And one night early on, she and her co-producer spent nine hours editing the first show, and it was inaudible. She was super upset at first, thinking of all the time they spent for a show that was going to completely bomb, and it was her debut show. She slept on it, gave it a day, and later that weekend, talked with her editor, and they decided that the bomb wasn't actually a wasted time because they learned how not to record audio and what can be done or not to fix it. This one happened to be not fixable. I even got in there and tried to tinker with um, the tracks. And we talked a lot about the meaning of putting this work out there or trying to do it all over again. That was potentially an option. It was a lot of embarrassment and stress and I'm supposed to be the theater kid who knows how to do this stuff. And we ended up going over how much she learned, which helped to see the sunk cost differently. Now it was an achievement. Then her decision became a logistic one. Look, we don't have enough time to redo this, so I'm putting it out there. This removal of emotion to a more factual, times up decision made allowed them to pick up the botched version and add some things to it just to make it uh, palatable. So they added a bunch of funny um, transitions and overlays and sound effects. And even though you couldn't hear the actual quizzes and the, the things the students were saying for the most part, it was hilarious. And the experience became, hey, I learned that I can let things go out imperfectly and not assign negative personal meaning to it. In fact, it became meaningful in the opposite. She showed up. It was a disaster. She made the best of it. Lesson learned. And in fact, people liked it. So they just thought it was a funny, stumbling first try that really showed her humility. And they wanted more. So there you go. She thought of the failure, in quotes, as data, not degradation. And it ended up serving her really well. You can remove a lot of emotion, even from highly emotionally charged situations. Bombs don't always have to mean something about you or your skill level or your determination or your ethic. A lot of the fear comes from the assumptions we make about what others will think of our bomb and acting based on assumptions is a trap you don't want to fall into. Of course, learning to look at all of your process favorably is a form of self-empathy. Having compassion and even pride in yourself is what's going to keep you in it. You'll know if and when it's time to give something up. But along the bumpy path to mastery, you can push through so much more than you think by using a logistic approach to get you over these particularly prickly tasks. Thought three, do three things and accept the outcomes. Part of approaching things tactically and not emotionally is to break them down. It really helps to do this. It creates these forcing functions around them. And if you tack on an accountability partner, even better. 
It doesn't matter how big or small the things you do are. If you're tackling something that can send you down an online rabbit hole, for example, put parameters around it. You could write down a single question and give yourself a small amount of time to answer it, say 10 minutes, and stop when it's over. So set your timer and really stop at the end of that 10 minutes. Then you can look at, hey, is this the right question? How far did I get? Because you have some data now and you didn't spend an hour or several hours getting it. An extra layer I love for the do three things method is to text a friend and say, by 2 p.m., I will have done X, X, and X. Then they can check in with you. And I do this with my best friend all the time. I have a name for it because I learned these forcing functions primarily from Tim Ferriss, so I call it Tim Ferrissing it out. Time boxing in an extreme way is really helpful. You'd be shocked at what you can get done. So I create a time box that I think isn't possible. I break the task into parts and turn the phone on airplane while I'm doing it. By the way, the timer still works when you're on airplane. But for example, I'm by day a researcher. So I could, if I gave myself half a day to write an interview discussion guide, I'd absolutely use it. No doubt. I could give myself two days, to be honest. But when I'm aiming for imperfection, I give myself 15 minutes. So I say, I'm going to Tim Ferriss this out. I'm going to do a discussion guide in 15 minutes. And I set my timer. And I am always completely stunned by how far I get. I usually don't finish, but I'd say I've got about 80% done. And I know what to zero in on when I go back for the next time box. It cuts most tasks in half or maybe even more so in doing it this way. And I kind of like the challenge. I like the idea of what can my brain spit out in 15 minutes when I put these extreme parameters around my time. And it's always a pleasant surprise. Now I'm sure you're thinking, are there days when the timer goes off and you're exactly where you started? Of course there are, absolutely. And when this happens and I'm ready to cry or scream, I might cry or scream. (laughs) And then I also force myself to change my environment, even for five minutes. And then I look at my list and I probably end up revising it. When I talk about changing environment, I mean step out of my office and even better, step out of my house and walk around the block. Or sometimes if I just can't leave at the moment, I will stretch or do jumping jacks, do like 20 jumping jacks, even in my office. I can be at a point where I feel like I want to sleep for four hours and magically revive by getting outside or moving. And for those times when you still make no progress on your time boxed items, look at your list. Maybe there's an item on there that's putting a snag in the whole operation. Try breaking it down into tiny parts. Let's say you're starting to look at colleges, you're researching colleges. Could you go down a research rabbit hole in seconds? Definitely. But when you narrow your list, so you can make thing one, research top colleges in X major. Thing two could be write down the ones in locations you'd be happy to move to. Thing three, create a note or journal or some place to put your research. Title it and add the ones you liked. Now put it away. 
you have a little roadmap that you've created to go back to, and you have some direction about what's out there in the world. When your time box is up and you've done one of the three things, or just taken a step toward the one, you'll sense that motion. And remember, action cures fear and inertia. Accepting the outcome can be hard, but remember to go back to point two. You may have an off moment or an off day or even an off week. That doesn't mean abandon ship. It's telling you your mind isn't in the right place at this moment, and it's just data. Learn to accept it as data and not attach a personal dig to it. Come back to more tiny steps, and I promise it won't always feel like a slog. There will be great days and months and plenty to celebrate. And even the slog is evidence of your dedication and another reason to applaud your efforts and to see the ROI for what it always, always is, progress. To summarize the life-changing act of taking imperfect action, one, clear the conditional and start before you're ready. Two, take the emotion out of hard situations. Use the logistic approach and never discount time spent as anything but progress. Three, do three things and accept the outcomes. I hope this helps with some norms correction on the perfectionists in all of us. Next time you're staring a difficult task, person, or situation in the face, pull one or all of these out of your pocket and see how different it can feel. Imperfection is so freeing. Until next time, thanks for listening. Hey, one more thing before you go. If you or someone you know is ready to let go of something, let's make it happen. Set up an introductory call with me at inkind.buzzsprout.com. That's B-U-Z-Z sprout.com. To listen, search for InKind on your favorite podcast player.